You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everyone to rv1 colon a fantasy football podcast episode 99 my friends i am your humble host uh pete rogers joined by some of the guys the working girl jordan smith and the man the myth the legend ginger nick uh no clark this week as he is out saving doggos everywhere except for the one that's incessantly barking uh as jordan's neighbors guys how we doing good other than the little gappy dog next door pretty good you uh, pounded some yogurt there, Jordan? Mm. Terry loves yogurt. Terry loves yogurt. Uh, we had a busy show this week. Uh, we had no real idea as to what to talk about or what to do, but uh, we then put it out to the masses. And per my suggestion, we're going to break down the first two episodes of True Detective. Per Jordan's suggestion, we're going to go do a deep de- deep investigation into Rupert Holmes's classic song, Escape, uh, to find out just who is more at fault in the song, the singer or his unhappy wife. And per Nick's suggestion, we're going to find him one team to root for once and for all. Uh, but before we get to all of those things, we figured since this is a football podcast, we might as well talk a little bit about football, you guys. Um, so we're going to recap our divisional round beer bets. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to also talk about the teams that were eliminated and uh, what they need to do in order to help their Super Bowl chances next year. Uh, and then maybe we'll do a little championship preview, and then we get to those real important things that we have on the docket. Uh, sound good? Sounds excellent. Yeah, I might sign off for the the true D talk because I have a DVR and have not caught up yet. Ooh, Nicholas. Yeah, oh boy. I have to admit, I haven't watched it either. Oh my goodness gracious! Well, I've been—I have like one more episode of Shameless to get through that I'm like all the way caught up, and then I'm like, after that, I'm starting a new show. After so, that, it's time to move on. Well, yeah. I will say that we can we can uh, we can cut that one off of the off of the agenda. I will say until next week, it's exceptional. Love Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali awesome. is a fucking professional and a champion of the people. Awesome. He's excellent in it. Uh, much better than season two. And so far, mildly on par with season one. We'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. Well, so there you go. There's one thing knocked off the agenda. So it's a much uh, easier podcast now. Shorter, easier. Uh, so let's get into the divisional round and do our beer bets. Uh, we'll just bounce through each game, uh, the four games that happened. And then with each game, we'll talk beer bets uh, and we'll see who owes who what. And then we'll talk about each of the teams that lost and what they need uh, to get back into uh the swing of things next year so first we had the colts uh playing the chiefs and there were three beer bets made on this game we didn't make a lot uh but there were three on this game clark said the ty hilton outperforms tyreek hill which nick and uh i believe myself took which uh i think ultimately did not pan out because tyreek hill had multiple big plays um i don't have stats in front of me i'm just going off of what i feel so i think that's wrong uh (laughs) 
<laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think no, I don't I, think that the Colts offense wasn't good. We should just go with your gut for everything here. Yeah. If it was, it was definitely garbage time. Yeah, it was garbage time points. Nicholas made the bet that Luck would throw 350 yards, three touchdowns, and lose. Uh, both myself and Clark took that. They did lose, so you got that much right. But I can assure you, even though I don't know the score, Andrew Luck did not throw for three touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a failure there. Yeah, 13 points, that, that doesn't add up. Yeah, uh, we've we've tried to do the math before, and it just doesn't quite work. So, uh, you know what? Um, T.Y. actually put up uh, 60 yards and a score, and Tyree kind of salvaged his day. He had he had uh, 72 yards through the air, but took a uh, 36-yard carry to the house. Right, but he still outperformed T.Y. Hilton. Doesn't matter how the, how the sausage gets made, it's still delicious. Did he? By fantasy standards, would Ty um, T. Y. Hilton have outscored Tyreek because Tyreek no, Tyree also had that rushing touchdown on the end around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. I totally forgot about that. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. So uh, it was a big game for for Tyreek. Uh, and then Jordan had another bet, which was he was going to take the over on fifty seven point five as a total score uh, for the Chiefs game, which did not pan out, sadly. Freaking Andrew Luck. God but damn it. We've been riding the Colts for the past few weeks, and this is what they repay this us. This is for. how they repay us. 13 points. Pitiful. Pitiful. So what do the Colts need to do? Uh, because clearly they did not show up to Arrowhead ready to play in the frozen tundra that I guess Arrowhead is? Did, did, who knew Kansas City was, like, cold? Did anyone know that? I yes. Didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. No, it's always cold they... in the playoffs. I mean, it's always cold in the playoffs, but I didn't realize that. I guess I didn't realize Kansas City was so. Uh, I always think of Kansas City as like the South, but it's not. I'm pretty sure they're on like the edge of that, uh, like the Canadian winds that come down from the Northwest. Something so this like is Canada's that. fault. Is what uh, you're it's saying. pretty much always Canada's fault. It's always so. Canada's fault. Um, well, there you go. That's some weather insight from our meteorologist, Jordan Smith. <laughs> I'm probably uh, full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, we'll start with you. What is the one thing that you think the Colts need to address this offseason in order to not only make it to the playoffs, but be able to take that next step and maybe actually make a, a legit Super Bowl run? It's the uh, it's actually the weather bullshit. Um, I was reading this week that Luck has it's historically struggled. It is the weather. He uh, Yeah, so we have to get um, Storm in here and have her – Change nice. things, but no. Um, Good pop culture like, reference there, Nicholas, thanks. relating to the um, younger crowd. <laughs> um, he struggles in sub forty degree weather, so you need to send him to like the Yukon all off season and have him just chuck balls all over the place. There you go. What an off season workout plan, Nick has. <laughs> Nick has for Andrew. Look, if the Colts want to make it back to the Super Bowl, this is or to the Super Bowl, this is what you need to do. Uh, Frank Reich needs to take Andrew Luck. Ship his ass out to Antarctica and have him throw 500 balls down in Antarctica in freezing temperatures. Then they're going to be ready for a Super Bowl run in 2019. Nail and penguin. Bam. Well, easy. That's easy. That's the easiest. I mean, I, it's easy. It's, it's free because you don't need to bring anyone else onto the team. Uh, and yeah, that seems flawless. Well he done, can, Nick. He can read some of his book club books while he's up there. Ooh. Antarctica. Oh, Isn't Antarctica. that down? I thought we said the Yukon. Well, that's what Nick said. I was just saying yeah. Antarctica. Oh, let's make but, it colder. <laughs> but it could be the Arctic. Well, which is colder? Well, he could know. bring a he could bring a stuffed tiger and like a Calvin Hobbes thing. Go to the Yukon. Go to the Yukon and hunt wolverines. 
That was a dated reference. <laughs> Freaking 12 gauge. What do you think? Uh, oh, Jordan, Jordan, what's your what's your cure for the Colts? Um, yeah, so the talk as of late has been that the Colts have just really accelerated their clock for the rebuild and they are a lot better than everybody assumed. And with that, they get like, what is it? $122 million in cap space. Uh, unfortunately for them, there's not a whole lot they can do to improve as far as the offense goes. And that's where I think they need to, um, spend some resources. So probably through the draft, I'm thinking they need to find another wide receiver that can pair with uh, T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron. I mean, Dontrell Inman was fine. Like he actually put up a pretty decent day um, against granted, not a very good Kansas city defense, but he did fine. He's just not scaring anybody. So I think the Colts with the benefit of being, you know, into the late to mid uh, first round draft pick, they can grab one of the wide receivers that, that nobody else is going to be grabbing because it's going to be a defensive heavy draft. And a lot of people are probably going to be snagging up some edge rushers and safeties at the top end of the draft. Uh, not a lot of quarterbacks going up there, but that should push somebody down to them. And I think they need somebody that can take the pressure off a of TY. Ebron's pretty easy to double because he's a tight end. And sometimes you need him to do other tight end things like block. So yeah, that's what I think. I think they need to add another uh, pass catcher for Andrew. Yeah, that was actually the that was actually what I had written in my notes too. So I'll quickly I'll have to spice it up when it's my turn to go. But I think it makes sense, right? I mean, that seemed to be the fact that the Chiefs' defense more or less stifled the Colts' offense. Clearly, means that the Colts need uh, a little more on offense than a banged up T.Y. Hilton because the Chiefs' Chiefs' defense should be stifling no one. Like that's just that's a sad state of affairs if you are being shut down by the worst defense in the NFL this year or one of. Um, so I think pairing anyone next to T.Y. Hilton would be huge um, a, because that offensive line took a big step forward and that t- traditionally is their, is their worst spot on, on offense. The defense, since I'm going to have to change my pick so that we uh, cast the widest net possible, I think they could use with use a uh, a one on one pass rusher, someone who's going to win. You don't need to scheme him open. They had Jabal Sheard um, and Marcus Hunt, who both kind of came on. Marcus Hunt has particularly had kind of a, a pretty surprising year given the, his career trajectory so far. But I think they need a, a legit pass rusher who can win one on one matchups. Who defense or offenses need to worry about um, because I think in the the linebacker role and to a certain extent the uh, the secondary. They've got they've got pretty good pieces there. So if you are able to add a little pressure up front, I think that defense could take a, a pretty decent step forward next year too. Yeah, definitely. There are there are a decent amount of good uh, defenders that are going to be free agents that I think they can just chuck a boatload of money at, and um, you know maybe they could go after like a uh, Demarcus Lawrence or Ziggy Ansah, one of those two. I like I like Demarcus Lawrence. He he he's going to be pretty costly, but yeah, they to, but they've they got a fun. shit ton of money. Yeah, so why not? So they, uh, Pete, uh, Marcus Hunt's actually a free agent this year, so I I think you kind of nailed that pick. Um, but I want to throw something at you guys with the wide receiver thing. I know a lot of receivers don't really have an uh, easy time transitioning to a, a new squad, but there are two slot receivers that are free agents: um, Larry Fitzgerald and Golden Tate. They'd be pretty yeah. interesting. I was going to say, too, yeah, throw a bunch of money at Golden Tate. Um, I mean, you 
if Larry Fitzgerald doesn't retire, I think that would be pretty Larry interesting. Larry Fitzgerald is playing for the Patriots in 2019. That's what's happening. <laughs> We've been saying this for the last 30 years. That's what's happening. I can totally okay. see Golden Tate on, on the Colts. I yes. mean, 36 I like year old Larry Fitzgerald is going to go play in Foxborough. Hell yeah! Gonna get that Super Bowl that he deserves. Um, yeah, so I don't think the Lux, I'm not the Lux. I don't think the Colts are that far, honestly. I think uh, I think they just need a couple more pieces uh, and and you know write it write it from there. And as Clark says, Clark is not here. He told us uh, in the Slack channel that we had to say something bad about the Jaguars. So they're benefiting by playing in the AFC South, which is not great. The well, Texans, the Texans are mm, who we think they are. The Titans are trash, and the Jaguars are terrible. There you go, Clark. So let's move on to the Cowboys versus the Rams, a game that Nicholas was certain the Cowboys were going to win. Uh, in fact, he made it a beer bet, and we all got beers off of him because that was a preposterous thing to say and or to think. So, uh, bully to you. Uh, Clark also made a beer bet saying that Dak throws for three touchdowns and a loss. He, the Cowboys did lose. I don't know how many touchdowns Dak threw. I don't think it was many because – he threw one. There it is, Jordan. Oh, so. but he also ran for one. <laughs> Ooh, but still not three. So uh, that's a loss for Clark there. But Jordan, we'll start with you. What is the one thing that the Cowboys need to do uh, in order to return to the playoffs and then uh, even maybe push make a Super Bowl run in 2019? Um, so again, with, with these guys as well, I feel like their um, defense is in a pretty good spot. I think they have to try their best to get Demarcus Lawrence to re-up with them. Otherwise, they'll definitely need a... Um, pass rusher to come in but I think to really help complete the offense and to help Dak Prescott because I'm still not entirely certain he's a quarterback that can shoulder a lot of the offense I think they really need a tight end that's um, that's athletic that can get open that can you know catch those intermediate passes while um, you know Amari Cooper is running everything else and Michael Gallup is you know getting those sideline catches um, I, I would definitely say a tight end. I think uh, Dak needs a security blanket that's like right in front of him because I don't think he really catches Zeke Elliott coming out of the backfield at all if he's like sprinting to the left or right sideline. So I, I think he needs somebody that's just smacked out right in front of him, not necessarily a Jason Witten type, but you know somebody that he can um, rely on when when things break down. Free Rico. Free Rico. You think Rico Gathers is the the future of Dallas's tight end position? No, they keep they keep asking him to block, and they made him put like twenty pounds on last offseason. But he is a ballerina. How dare uh, I? I thought he was talking about Uncle Rico. It's just free Uncle Rico. There's the future quarterback for the back. Uh, <laughs> there's the future quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Throwing my quarter mile. I was going to say tight end. Jordan, you and I have, are on the same wavelength. Uh, but instead, what I'm going to say is in this day and age of exciting offenses and exciting schemes and new creative ideas taking over the league and all of this RPO and, and all the things you can do with uh, with weapons and, and, and real players and a, and a quarterback who's mobile and can throw the ball well, fire Jason Garrett. Get him out of there. I'm sorry. I know he's got naked photos of, of Jerry Jones, and that's why Jerry's never going to fire him, but he needs to be gone. That Cowboys offense needs to have a creative mind behind it who's able to utilize all of the pieces, 
all of the uh, all the weapons that they have there, and not is just going to be like, well, we're going to run it thirty times with Ezekiel Elliott and uh, throw a couple of screens to Amari Cooper, and, uh, and there we go. Davon Austin's going to be a vocal part of this team. Uh, so, Cowboys need to get rid of Jason Garrett and need to get a crafty, creative mind uh, in that house. And that's not just because I made it a beer bet um, that I lost, and so I'm just bitter. But it's it's also because it's in the best interest of the Cowboys' future. I agree with you. Like, I don't think Jason Garrett should be coaching an NFL football team anymore. But at the same time, I feel like the Cowboys, having just lost to the Rams, they're like they're like the eighth seed who didn't want to be in the playoffs. Um, if they weren't going to win the entire thing, but they get swept in the first round by Golden State. And it's like, oh, crap, we got swept by Golden State. And now we're out of the playoffs, but also we are out of the lottery. So there's not much we can do there. And the Cowboys are out of the coach lottery. There's not a lot of options that they can go to unless they, I don't know, Josh McDaniels is still available. Maybe they can make him a godfather offer, but I'm not sure that that's something that they would want to do. It's just the pool is shallow now. So I don't know what the Cowboys do. I'm also going to say a dirty little secret. I don't think a lot of people want to coach in Dallas. I don't think it's a desirable destination. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're not in control of anything. Like it, I, I can't, yeah. Be a shitty really. work environment. Yeah. Um, so Pete, my, mine's kind of in lockstep with yours. I'm, I'm super down to get rid of Jason Garrett. Um, I was listening to uh, um, Warren Sharp's, podcast last week and it was sort of insinuated that they had the cowboys had actually hired him to start giving them uh like basically they they didn't have an analytics department and so you can kind of go look at like uh their 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 passes their targets to running backs and their deep shots on early downs but basically those two stats flew way up and their offense somewhat improved towards the end of the season so Keep Garrett, fire Garrett. I don't like Garrett, but whatever. I For me, their thing to do is to re-up their contract with Sharp and continue to use his analytics abilities because it's, I think, kind of above and beyond what anyone else is really doing. Um, so, yeah, trust in Sharp we trust. Are there any Jason Garrett uh, defenders out there? Are, like, are there people who watch, who watch the Cowboys who are like, no, you know what, Jason Garrett, the guy uh, – knows his stuff he's a good coach and they should keep him like i i also understand because there's always the argument from the crew that's like well if you're gonna fire that coach who are you gonna hire that's better i know that was the one that was often used surrounding john harbaugh where it's like if the ravens fired john harbaugh like who are they gonna add that's better than john harbaugh uh but i guess i feel like there's a lot of people out there who are probably better than jason garrett he just seems uh like a like a robot who who who's he's the clapping monkey on the sideline right 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 when you wind him He's up. an idiot. Uh, well, just, that's a bit strong, Nicholas. He's a person okay. with a family and a job that he is good at. A lot of idiots have families, man. <laughs> a lot of idiots coach in the NFL. <laughs> a lot of idiots do. I just feel like he's a he's a coach that can't win or string together victories in spite of like some of his players not being available or in spite of not having a roster that can produce wins. Like they really didn't hit their stride until they got an Amari Cooper. And like in certain games when Zeke Elliott's not playing or last year when he was suspended, they looked really bad. Like they looked terrible. So it's like, he's not giving you like his plus minus is definitely a minus, (laughs) but he's just not giving you any, any wins. Like he's not coaching you to wins. He's 
you know, when the players are there, the players are getting the W's. Right. Uh, which is never really what you want from a coach. You want a coach to coach you to a win. That's a good coach. Uh, let's move on to the Chargers and the Patriots, a game in which all three of you, Clark not being here, but I'm calling him out too, were certain that the Patriots were going to lose and the dynasty would be over. <laughs> Instead, we just clobbered the charges 41 to 20 something. Who even cares? It was all garbage points because Sonny Michelle was the best running back taken in the first round this year. Suck it, Saquon Barkley. <laughs> um, I'm what? just never what? taking an away team again in the playoffs. Never. Oh, dude, for real. But, Pete, what did your accent start as? It's a good question. I think that was like my rich person accent, and then it just became <laughs> something Dutch or German. <laughs> yeah, I, German. I don't know where I, I have no idea. You can never, never track my accent. It, it fluctuates between three different nationalities and different impressions of uh, of dialects. So who even knows? Uh, needless to say, Clark did not make his beer bet of Chargers upsetting the Patriots. Uh, so I get burrs on that and i believe jordan does as well uh for things that the Chargers can improve on going into next year for me honestly just stay healthy like i think that was the biggest thing that deterred that or that that brought them down during the playoff stretch right their offense was banged all kinds of banged up heading into the playoffs melvin gordon had multiple mcl sprains and clearly wasn't himself Hunter Henry was out for the whole season, but then was managed to play just in the playoffs. But he's someone who I was going to say like, oh, they could use another pass catcher. But he's the perfect addition to that offense. Uh, Mike Williams developed. Keenan Allen is there. Then if you have Hunter Henry able to open up the middle, that's a lot of targets for Phillip Rivers to have. On defense, their biggest week, the thing that the Patriots took advantage of was their lack of uh, like run-thumping linebackers, which they have. Denzel Perryman uh, is one of their best linebackers, and he was injured, um, and so that forced them. They kind of did this, you know, like a seven defensive back thing with with uh, Derwin James, which was successful against against the Ravens when the running back you're trying to stop is Lamar Jackson, not um, you know rookie of the year Sony Michelle. So. <laughs> You know, these are just facts that I'm stating. Uh, so I think the Chargers, I mean, there's obviously improvements they can make, but I think the biggest thing is they just need to get healthy uh, and just keep moving forward. Getting a fan base could be helpful too so that your home games don't feel like away games. But, you know, just uh, throwing that out there. <laughs> what are you going to do now, LA? Uh, Nicholas, what do you think the Chargers can improve on this offseason? What's the one yeah. thing they need to fix? It's the same thing as the Cowboys. They need to get an analytics department. Um, and like, I know I, I beat this to death, but again, like sharp stuff is so freaking good. Um, he noted that, that the Patriots since week 11 have been giving up a league worst 6.8 yards per carry, uh, going against 11 personnel. They gave Melvin Gordon four carries out of 11. If you just have someone studying this stuff, you can make an, a, a much more effective game plan. I mean, this isn't. I know it's not rocket science. Anyway, yeah, get get an analytics department. Um, Josh Hermsmeyer was trying to talk to the Chargers at the beginning of the year about selling uh, his his work to them, and basically they they ended up like kind of pulling the plug. But he was like, I don't want to go work for him. Like I'd take a pay cut. And they don't know what the hell they're doing anyway, which is interesting. A guy would rather stay at five thirty eight than go work for the Chargers. Burn. and take a pay cut. Chargers start offering more to your analytics department. <laughs> a valuable part of winning success why do you think the Patriots have been great for 20 years it's because Ernie Adams baby dude 
the unsung hero. Yeah, the champion of everything. He's the real deal. It, wow. Hell yeah. Go Pat. Go Pat. Nicholas, you... Let's save our team rooting until we figure out what team you're actually going to be rooting for. All right, let's uh, let's not confuse the audience member by rooting for every team we talk about. Jesus, Jordan, what should the Chargers do this off season? Um, I do have to say, not having an analytics department or like some sort of emphasis on analytic analytics at this day and age is like the Cincinnati Bengals mom and pop shop they're running for their scouting department. Um, that's and number one. What the Bengals are, so Chargers, <laughs> you don't want to be that. Uh, number two, I I completely agree with you, Pete. They they do have Denzel Perryman, but they need a a solid like micro will linebacker that can um, help them in the run game. My primary thing, though, it goes right back to the Melvin Gordon of it all, um, and this is on brand for me as well. They need some better interior linemen. Uh, Mike Pouncey has been a pretty solid, like solidifying force in there only because he's, you know, a veteran. He's played some NFL games before, but it's just a, it's a shame that uh, Forrest Lamp didn't really pan out. Um, And he was a good fantasy owners all around the fantasy world will note how sometimes it just, Melvin Gordon's yard per carry at points were just, it was just awful. And you'd pretty much have to wait until he like broke off a 15 yard run. And then that average would jump up, but that's pretty much all Melvin Gordon being able to spring free or, you know, doing things in the passing game. He pretty much had to turn himself into a pass catching running back. Um, Cause I mean, at the, the great university of Wisconsin, he was just, he could crank out 200 yard games in the first half of the, of the, Saturday morning games, but and then you know who'd come in and spell him? Freaking James White. Freaking James White. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's another part. Plus, if they want to keep uh Philip Rivers playing as long as possible and upright, they need solid interior linemen that aren't getting pressure forced right up in Philip's face. I should have expected nothing less from you, Jordan. It was only a matter of time before we started talking offensive linemen. Hey, you know what? It all starts in the trenches and builds its way out. Always. Hey, uh, we got a uh, breaking news alert. Coming in. Uh, Schefter just, just tweeted a story that apparently Cam Newton is in serious jeopardy of missing all of next season. Um, yeah, he, he might. The surgery he's going to have to have on his, his throwing shoulder could, basically could be similar to Andrew Luck. Damn. Breaking yeah. news. Hey, guess what, guys? When you don't have a good offensive line that can protect your running quarterbacks, they get hurt. <laughs> it's true. It's, and or your uh, your statue quarterbacks like Philip Rivers, yeah, they still can get hurt. Anyone can get hurt without an offensive line. Fo- turns Not out just... football is a physical sport. It's a physical sport, you guys. Um, that would suck. That would suck if Cam Newton was was out for a whole year. Both it would suck for the Panthers because, you know, clearly. But uh, but also football's a lot more fun when Cam Newton's around, I've discovered and realized. So. But I like it better when the Panthers are good. Yeah. Wishing the best for you, Cam. 
if you uh if you want to take the whole NFL season off and come on and be a regular on the podcast, we're happy to have you. We'll make we'll make uh we'll make things. We'll make arrangements for you. Don't worry about it. Last game of the divisional round were the Eagles and the Saints, a game that when it was 14 to 0 Eagles, I was pissing myself because I thought, "Oh my god, the Saints are going to lose this for all of us." But they didn't. Um that being said, Clark won his beer bet saying that Drew Brees would throw under 350 yards. Uh, we all took it, and he threw for 305. So got the numbers right, just the order wrong. And then I fun. said Michael Thomas was going to go for 150 and two touchdowns. One touchdown away because he went for 171 and a touchdown. So, so close and yet so far. Uh, Jordan, what is the thing that the Eagles need to address this offseason if they want to, you know, pretend to be underdogs again and be like, well, we're going to make it to the playoffs and make some noise? I'm not biased. Um, I would definitely say they need some just all around secondary assistance. Um, now, granted, they got some young guys in there and some other guys got hurt uh, that they didn't have late in the season. And it was, all the pressure was pretty much on their pass rushers um, for the entire stretch here from December through January. But, yeah, you, you can't play playoff football in the NFL with at least some serviceable uh, defensive backs. And uh, I don't I mean, Malcolm Jenkins isn't getting any younger either. So, yeah. The secondary was clearly their biggest biggest Bye, issue. Nick. Yeah, we lost Nicholas. Rut <laughs> row. Uh the secondary was definitely their biggest issue because they did a pretty good job of of getting after Drew Brees um and kind of stymieing that offense for for a hot sec. Um, but then but then they were able, you know, they just couldn't consistently cover, especially on Michael Thomas, who was just a freak. I will say, watching that game. Michael Thomas's hands and catching ability is bordering upon unfair. There were so many balls that Drew Brees just like chucked to him uh, where cornerbacks were draped all over him and he somehow came down with them. He, he is a phenomenal wide receiver and I think almost certainly uh, solidified himself as a top five at least receiver in the league right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. If I were starting a NFL franchise and I had three receiver slots to fill out. I would definitely give one of those to Michael Thomas. Um, I tweeted something earlier. Oh, my other two would be Odell Beckham and Tyreek Hill is my slot. Oh, interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, But I I tweeted, I believe it was like in a Monday, Monday night football game early in the year. I'm like, if Drew Brees throws it in Michael Thomas's direction, he's going to catch it. The best thing you can do is just tackle him and hope he doesn't get any of those yak yards. Like you just have to accept that he's going to catch the football. What was his final? And let me quickly stats the information working uh, tirelessly right now. What did he finally end with as a uh, as a catch percentage for this year? Because I remember it was like astronomically high. Yeah, it was. He finished with an eighty-five percent catch percentage this year. That That's is still ridiculous. That is absurd. <laughs> that is utterly and completely preposterous. Uh, that that he was able to catch eighty-five percent of the balls that were thrown his way. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it definitely helps that you you basically get to play in a large gymnasium for a half of your season, <laughs> and then you get to play a game in Atlanta and. That helps a little bit, you know, not necessarily battling any 
uh, elements with the wind shifting the football or the weather making it slippery, but still pretty impressive. I will say, still, still quite impressive. Uh, since Nick is no longer on the podcast with us because internet sucks, I guess for him, uh, we're going to skip him and we're going to go to the one thing that I think the Eagles need to do this off season. And the Eagles need to send Nick Foles to another team. So that when Wentz goes down, uh, gets injured in December, their season can sink into hell like every other team that doesn't have a backup quarterback. And I'll watch as their fans suddenly disappear into nothing. Yeah, I would say the Eagles in this case are much more in that mold of the uh, my NBA seed analogy where they just needed to, to hit the lottery and get a, a blue chip piece that they can bounce back again next year because they're still in their... Super Bowl window, I would say, as long as Carson Wentz is on that cheap contract and they're, um, I mean, Howie Roseman's always really good at drafting talent. I wouldn't be surprised if their defensive back Maddox turned into something really nice. Um, and LeBlanc was looking good too. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah. They got some talent there. Uh, what it, what is your opinion on the whole Carson Wentz dilemma? Cause like Wentz looked like an MVP last year, got injured and then, Nick Foles took him to the Super Bowl, which is the only one. Wentz comes back, and I know it's an ACL tear that he's, you know, it takes a little bit of time and it actually takes, you know, a decent amount of time to get used to. Some people are freaks uh, and can win a rushing title and rush for 2,000 yards and win MVP the year after they tear their ACL. Most people can't. Most people are on Adrian Peterson. Um, how committed do you think the Eagles are to Carson Wentz at this moment? Like if a team, say the Jaguars or say the Giants or say any of these teams that is that are quarterback needy, if they just came out with this godfather offer where they're like, all right, Eagles, here is two first round picks, two second round picks and a third round pick or whatever you can concoct as an as a absurd offer. Would the Eagles want to part with? Would the Eagles part with Carson Wentz and be like, all right, Nick Foles, you're you're our guy now. You're God. No, definitely not. Um, so Doug Peterson actually came out today, and he already said that uh, Carson Wentz is QB1. He's going to be the starter next season, um, which is nice. You know, you like that sort of peace of mind coming into the offseason. But I think sometimes for, for players, uh, an ACL injury can be a two-year yeah. injury, um, especially for somebody like Carson Wentz who – just consistently keeps on getting these like small, not small injuries because every injury can be significant, but just these like nagging, these nagging injuries. Yeah. They'll knock you out for a few weeks or, you know, a freaking fractured back that you can maybe play through. But I mean, imagine playing football with a fractured back. Uh, It's just these little things that, you know, I think maybe that might've helped, um, or not helped, but, you know, got inside of Carson Wentz's head a little bit this season and turned that ACL injury, despite it being fully healed, most likely into a two-year thing. And I think quarterbacks, over the duration of their career, they definitely always get a certain number of injuries. I think it just depends on when those injuries occur. You know, some people will be fine, you know, play the first five years of their career, not miss a start, and then all of a sudden they'll – tear an ACL and miss an entire season and you're like oh no what happened like he never gets injured but I I just think that Carson Wentz is just getting a lot of uh, a lot of injuries early in the season I think football karma will eventually even that out and he'll he'll have a nice long career Nick's back he's got something to say yes I do so uh uh sorry about that guys um Dr. David Chow talked about this a lot in the offseason um and his his diagnosis right off the bat was 
that both Deshaun Watson and um, I'm blanking on the other quarterback who who tore his ACL. Um, who we were just talking about? No, no, uh, there was third. Anyway, um, basically that uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm blank. Anyway, we can just use Deshaun Watson, but that he was going to be at full health far before Carson Wentz because Wentz didn't just tear his ACL. He tore his LCL. He had a partially torn IT band. And when they were in there, they discovered that they had to clean up um, stuff from an old meniscus injury. So he had a whole lot more going on than just just ACL reconstruction. So, I, but Chow also, Dr. Chow also did say like the guy can make a, a full recovery. It's just it's one of those that like this is going to be probably a season long thing where he can get good enough to play. But it was always going to be an issue this year. But he he should be fine for for next season. Doctor Nick has spoken. Uh, Nick, what was uh, what's your one thing that the Eagles can do this off season in order to um, maybe possibly, if they really wanted to try to win another Super Bowl, they could probably maybe. Possibly do. <laughs> um, I think it's the same thing that I uh, that I touched on with the Colts, and that's uh, to sign or re-sign in this case, Golden Tate. And I think that they need to jettison uh, Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar. Um, Tate's, uh, he's just a monster in the slot. And there's no point in them having three guys who can really only play slot receiver on their roster. Uh, I think it's just kind of, it's sort of, I think it's similar to like keeping foals in the building where there's always like this looming, like, well, who should it actually be that's out there? Just get rid of those two other guys, resign Tate. Um, yeah, resign Tate. Yeah. Makes sense. You trade him. He he's clearly has gotten more comfortable with the offense, uh, as you saw that he ha- had more impact in the playoffs and and end of the season as opposed to when he was first traded. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, quickly talk about some championship beer bets, shall we? Uh, let me think of some beer bets, but yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's start with the Patriots versus the Chiefs. Uh, the one beer bet I've got for this game is that one of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill will be held under 50 receiving yards. Uh, and I actually looked, and Tyreek Hill has been held to under 50 receiving yards uh, a couple yeah. times this season. So it can be done, even though he touches the ball and it looks like he can run for 50 yards. Uh no problem. Much like life, Bill Belichick takes away what you love. Um, and so Mahomes loves Kelsey and Hill. And so I think the game plan is going to be to limit one of those guys and force, you know, Mahomes to become quote unquote one dimensional, which is, I mean, still throwing to a, a elite receiver, but instead of being able to have both to play off of, he's just going to force, you know, feed Hill or Kelsey. So that's my beer bet uh, for, for the pat for that game. I'll, I'll take that. I, I think that they'll both clear 50 yards. I'm um, not going to take it because I like the Patriots secondary. Me too. They, they've been coming on recently. <laughs> cool. They're just um, looking pretty good against those judges. So uh, my my beer bet for this game is uh, touching on what I was touching on earlier uh, with the Pats unable to stop uh, runs out of 11 personnel. Dave, Damian Williams, 64% of his attempts have come out of 11. So I'm saying Damian Williams goes over 100 yards uh, on the ground. Uh, and scores i am not going to take you on this because i also think that one of the things that belichick loves to do with offenses that are high powered and score points quickly and love to just kind of spread the ball in the pass game all over the field he loves to be like you want to run the ball run the ball you know because running the football gets you maybe even five to six yards per carry still takes you time to go down the field it's a lot harder to break off the big play through the running game especially when you have same someone like Damian Williams as opposed to Tyreek Hill 
uh, carrying the football, who's got that elite breakaway speed, and it drains the clock. So I could see the game plan kind of being like, you want to run the ball? Be my guest. We're going to shut down your passing game. And so if you want to score a touchdown, it's going to take you a solid six-minute drive for you to do that. And then we're going to go score quickly because your defense is hot garbage. So I will not take you on that. I could easily see that happening. I'll take it. Why not? <laughs> it is it is meaningless beer that we bet since none of us actually ever pay up and the life the 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 career standings are uh in this double digits in terms of beers that we owe what's your did you figure out a beer bet for this game jordan yes and you're gonna love this one Pete. oh yeah baby tell me it's the patriots win Oh, they're they're letting out the Gronk monster truck out of the garage, and he's going to crank it up to the tune of five catches for seventy yards and a touchdown. Um, there's a chance that the Chief Safety Eric Berry could play. Uh, love that guy. Uh, you know, always want to see him on the field. He's had some you know issues with injury and with uh, leukemia that just hasn't allowed him to play. But in weeks. Six was that when the Patriots played the Chiefs? Yes. Um, Gronk had a great game. He had a really good game, and I think they just turned to Rob Gronkowski, and they were like, Gronk, we just need you to dial it up for two games. We just need you for two games this season. We're going to pump you full of painkillers, and you're going to go out there because nobody on the Chiefs can guard you if Eric Berry doesn't play. So I think he's just going to... He's just going to go off. I think the Patriots. I think the Patriots secretly know that he's he's fine. I'm going to take you just for the sake of the game because I could also see against a 31st ranked run defense uh, that the Colts were not able to exploit because I don't know. Uh, the the Patriots come out and use Gronk more as a blocker. Uh, I am totally on board with this. I just wanted to spice it up and and not not take anything. But uh, but I definitely could see Gronk having just a massive game and the Patriots being like, look. You got two games of football left because, mm, spoiler alert, I do think Gronk retires this offseason. You got two games left. We're going to pump you through full of so much drugs that you're not going to feel anything. All we need you to do is just go out there, become a, a, just an absolute mismatch for, for whatever two games equals in terms of time because it's 90 plus 90, 180 minutes, and uh, kick some ass. I don't, I don't think he's going to hit those numbers, sadly. Sadly, indeed. I mean, they're very specific. <laughs> numbers but i'm going for a spicy take i like it i like it i was also going to spice it up by saying that mm, i take it because he's not going to have five catches for 70 yards and touchdown he's going to have 10 catches for 300 yards and four touchdowns but then I was like, well that's pretty spicy Maybe i mean a little too spicy james white had 15 catches last week i think he can share a little Ooh, james white all that man does is catch footballs uh let's call this game uh jordan who do you have winning I, you know what? It's like I said, I'm not picking against the home team, so I'm going with the Chiefs. Screw you. You're dead to me. Nicholas. <laughs> I know. I, I have no idea. Um, Expert insight from the RB1 podcast. It's, it's just so... Uh, Spoiler alert, it's the Patriots. It's got to be the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Patriots. Patriots yep. going go to Arrowhead, and they're going to get that win. Uh <laughs> The second game of the of the uh, championship, conference championship, Saints versus Rams. Uh, Jordan, what's your beer bet for this game? My beer bet for this game is, let's go with a saucy Brandon Cooks revenge game. Um, I like that the the Rams get to go indoors this time around. 
Um, and I think Brandon Cooks comes back and he uh, he gets he tops a hundred yards in this game uh, right in front of the New Orleans crowd. I will not take it because I'm all about revenge games. I am 100% for that. Good Love call. a good revenge game. Love a good revenge game. Can't say no to a revenge game. Brandon Cooks played on three of the four conference championship teams. Oh. I, I will take that. Uh, Nicholas, do you have a beer bet? Yes. Um, Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson combined for 250 rushing yards and three touchdowns. 200 rushing yards and three touchdowns. I will. 250. Oh, 200. I was going to say, well, maybe, but I will take you, Nicholas. There's no way that ever happens. Not in your life. I'll take that too. I think that uh, last week was a little bit of an aberration. Especially CJ Anderson. Come on. I think uh, Sheldon Rankins being out is just too much for them to handle. And they've, they've rushed the ball like 40 times over the last two weeks or something. I think they've run more than they've thrown or, or something ridiculous. Anyway, banking on that. Uh, my beer bet is that Marcus Peters has a game-changing interception. Uh, not a game-winning, because I, uh, spoiler alert, have the Saints winning this game, but a game-changing. He he shines on the brightest stage, uh, and Drew Brees' deep ball has not looked as clean uh, as it once was. So I, I think he's going to come away with a big interception that's going to push push the t- turn the turntables in the Rams, Rams' favor for a, a hot sack. Uh, but then the Saints ultimately come back and win. I will, I will take that. But I don't. I'm really kind of souring on Marcus Peters as a solid defensive back. He's fine, but not as good as I thought he was. I'll take it too. I wonder if he. I wonder if his future is a, a safety instead of a cornerback. That's always that, been his thing. Like in, right. in KC, it seemed like he was just really it's not like he was taking balls off the wide receiver's hands it was always he found himself in the right position in his own coverage to make interceptions so i, I think feel that like, would be a good destiny for him right i feel like i feel like a, like an ed reed free safety is the perfect thing for him where you just roam the center of the field uh and make plays on the ball i feel like that's his future he'll definitely extend his career malcolm jenkins style it's true uh pick this game nicholas who's winning ram uh jordan home team saints yeah i got the saints winning too though i will say because of your fact jordan i would love absolutely love the rams to win face the patriots in the super bowl and then it's yet again a brandon cook's revenge game (laughs) two brandon cook's revenge games back to back i mean you can't pass that shit up and a rematch of the patriots first super bowl this couple decades ago right they played the the rams first it was it was a great show on turf but Oh man! Oh, Plenty might... of storylines for that oh, week. So many storylines. Damn it! Oh, I might change my pick. Nah, no. Nah, I like the Saints. <laughs> I think the Saints are the best, the best team in the NFL. So I'll stick with them. Um. All right. Now we get to the important things. Now that we're whatever forty minutes into the podcast, uh, we have to do a deep discussion on Rupert Holmes's escape and figure out who's truly at fault with that song and get Nicholas a new team. Uh, what do you guys think? Should we start with a, a breakdown of Escape and then get Nick a new team? Let's do it. All right, perfect. <laughs> Jordan, explain to us explain to us your uh, critique and and takedown of this this classic song about pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Yeah. So again, for those that don't know, Escape is if you like pina coladas getting caught in the rain. Most people don't really know it by the name Escape because 
first of all, that name sounds a little bit morbid once you actually think about the uh, the lyrics and the story behind it. But uh, the debate is who is more at fault in the song? Is it the singer who goes through the personal ads, finds another date because he's you know souring on the woman that he's with, ends up going on this date, but then he realizes, oh, it's just the girl that I was with all along. But is it the girl who put the personal ad in there first? Because she is the one that has the ad in there while those two are together. Is she more at fault because she should have said something before if she was feeling something earlier? Or is Rupert Holmes or whoever the song, uh, the singer is, or the main character is supposed to be, is he at fault for following up on it anyway? It's a real conundrum. It is a conundrum. It is a conundrum because on the one hand, you're right because you would hope that in a healthy relationship that the woman would feel comfortable to say, hey, honey, hey, Rupert, uh, I'm not really feeling this relationship right now. Maybe we can work on that. Let's learn something about each other. Let's learn that we both like drinking pina coladas uh, and getting caught in the rain and we're both not into yoga, but we love the taste of champagne. Um, But on the other hand, clearly old Ruby ain't that pleased and is so unpleased in the relationship that he's actively seeking. See, I think that's the difference here. If I were to be so bold that the fault relies upon Rupert more than the lady, because the lady is just throwing feelers out there. You know, she's just like, yo, not super pleased right now. What are peeps thinking right now? Whereas Rupert is like, yo, I'm unpleased. I'm actively going to find myself a date and cheat on this woman whom I am with. And what do you know? Happy coincidence. You know, they they find each other and see each other in a whole new light. But that would be my justification for why old Ruby is uh, is more in the fault here. So I, I would say that I wish them both the strength to communicate more effectively mm. with we their partner in the future. Um, I would like to title Rupert, though, sort of a real McAsshole for <laughs> fucking writing a song about this shit. Because if you're going to fuck up, and your partner's going to fuck up, at least respect each other enough to not publicize it. (laughs) You know what? I'd probably seek a personal ad, too, if my partner was writing songs about shitty things I did. That's not true. Babe, I love you. Um, (laughs) No, but uh, he sounds like a complete asshole. Hey, we're both shitty people. Let me let everybody know about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, right. come on. Story to everyone in the most catchy song that's ever been created by mankind. I, I don't want to make this come off as just being from the guy's perspective, but oh. I am inclined to say, well, first of all, they're they're both shitty people. Okay, <laughs> they're both bad because it doesn't matter. You know, it's like a snake eating its own tail sort of thing. Um, you know. It, it doesn't have a start or an end. They're both bad people. But I will say that the woman did put the ad in there first, and then he decides to read it. And also, I think if if she knew that it was over and she had took the time to put a personal ad in, and we're talking old school newspaper, so she could have put this ad in days ago. Maybe over the past couple of days since she put that ad in, she started to sour towards him which made him think like, okay, this this relationship now is pretty much beyond repair. And that's what drew him to look in the personal ads. It's true. But on the flip side, 
it could have been she posted it in the, into the uh, into the want, help wanted ads or whatever it is the the, the 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 old person phrasing for the thing that I'm searching for classifieds there it is uh, but maybe she she was like oh no oh I've regretted doing that because I'm actually maybe a little, no because she's actively she went on the she, she went, went on, on the, the date, date though but he went on the date too he was but like. He was I like, I'm going to actively seek and find someone where she was just putting out feelers. And uh, she's dating a public figure. Like, she probably feels trapped. Right. She's dating Rupert Holmes, you guys. I mean, let's not overlook the fact this is one of the most famous rock stars of our generation. I Who mean, can forget that other song he has? Like <laughs> <laughs> it on it a little. But, uh, but I'm sure you've heard it before. Yeah, I think that's the answer. I think that that the relationship was fraught from the beginning because of the fame that Rupert Holmes carries with him. And the fact that he likes to air their dirty laundry in the form of song for the general public to listen to. That doesn't yeah, seem he, like necessarily the best way to handle your uh, relationship quandaries. Moral of the story, have the testicular fortitude to have that conversation and just end things. Cheaters never win and winners never cheat. Amen. Also... Um, it shouldn't take to the point of your relationship where you're both looking for other people to have had pina coladas together. Like, that's a second date thing. Come on. Oh, that's a hour. first date thing for me. There you go. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan gets it done quickly. Jordan's like, hey, first question. You like pina coladas? Good. Do you like getting caught in the rain? Excellent. They got to be in a hollowed out coconut, too. Well, of course, naturally. Where else would you drink your pina colada from? Uh, all right, final thing on the docket. Now that we've solved that that quandary that has plagued America and then the greater population for, for all time. Uh, it's time to find Nicholas a real team because I, for one, am sick of this back and forth thing, this flipping and flopping uh, that has gone on for much too long. Nicholas says he's from Seattle, so he's a Seahawks fan but some reason also likes the Patriots uh, and, and now is saying that he's a Browns fan. I mean, dear God, man, have some dignity. Well, he's actually not from Seattle. He lives in Seattle now. He's from Denver and thus is a Broncos fan too. So, Nicholas, quickly, I give you 20 seconds to defend yourself and this uh, this plethora of teams that, that that's the right way to do it, that, that fandom should not be uh, – uh, uh, what's the word for having one partner? Monogamous. Monogamous. <laughs> should not be monogamous, but instead. Pete, you're married. You should know that. <laughs> polyamorous. Isn't that the other word for it? Nicholas, so. defend yourself. I'm a, uh, by and large, at this point in my life, I am a player over team guy. Uh, and so a lot of the teams that I enjoy watching, I just have individual players that I enjoy um, watching. And rather than committing myself to one shitty owner. Okay, sorry. 20 seconds are up. Good defense. There you go. <laughs> I have four rules for picking a new team. When you have, have no fan base to speak from, no, no allegiances, this is how you pick a team. Number one, cannot be a, quote, hot team uh, because then you just look like a bandwagoner, right? You don't want to look like a bandwagoner. So yeah, don't become a Chiefs fan now. You can't be a Chiefs Too fan. Too late. That bandwagon's fast, passed. Can't be a Browns fan. Bandwagon's passed. Plus, it's not a good look because you're like, well, I haven't dealt with any of the hardship. Uh, so that's, that's rule number one. So it can't be a hot team, a hot up and coming team that everyone's like, Ooh, let's jump on the bandwagon. Number two. And you alluded to this Nicholas. So I give you credit for that. It needs to have one lovable player. 
Um, and this rule weeds out those who think that being a Steelers fan right now is the great move. Um, no, there are no lovable players on the Steelers. So team needs to have a lovable player that you can get behind. Rule number three, you need to like the fan base that you are joining uh, because otherwise what's the point of joining them? This is my rule to take the Patriots off the list because unless you're born and raised in Boston, uh, no one likes Patriots fans. And our fourth and final rule, my fourth and final rule for picking a new team is you need to have, they need to have a good looking jersey since you're going to buy and wear one. So that kills your Seahawks, Nicholas, because those things are ugly. Uh, and bye bye Buccaneers because those jerseys are even worse with the digital numbers. So, Nicholas, we're going to start with, uh, let's start with jerseys, okay? Or we'll start with lovable players. Who is your favorite player in the NFL right now? Can I add like a little addendum to the jersey rule? Is I, I recommend it being more of a a classic team that's not going to change their jersey every three years when they suck. Amen. Like, that's exactly what the Buccaneers did. That's what the Dolphins the Titans do. The Dolphins. Titans keep changing it. Like you want a jersey that's consistently there year in and year out and not dated. Good addendum. I approve. It has been ratified. It's on the it's on the official rules now. Uh, all right, so Nicholas, your favorite player uh, so far in the NFL right now? Uh, Rex Burkhead. All right. Well, that okay. <laughs> breaks rule number three because you can't hate the fan base you're joining. So um, next player. If you had to buy a jersey of a right. player right now, who you. would you go out and purchase? And this even kills two birds with one stone. It's rule We're two talking a, a nice jersey where the numbers are sewed on and you're you're dropping like a hundred. You're dropping like 120. Bucks. 120 yeah. to 150 and you're like, this is it. This is the jersey that I am confident in spending this amount of moolah for. Man, I don't know. I'm looking over my fantasy teams from this season right now and seeing who stands out to me as like, uh, oh, okay, well, I don't know if I'm allowed, but it'd prob- probably Nick Chubb. Rule number one, Nicholas. No hot teams, especially not the Browns. Okay. Um, Also, you can't wear a lot of orange with the Browns, Nick, because I feel like it's just going to wash you out with your hair and your beard. This is from a strictly style perspective. It's true. I would avoid yellow also. Jordan, I'm so glad you are (laughs) adding so much to these rules and, and this search. Well done. My high school colors were red and gold, and oh, so like on beer oh. days, I just wear a yellow shirt, and then I had the red already going naturally. With the hair. And naturally, yeah. you're actually part of it. That's that's some school spirit right there. See, well, I think we need to go on like a deeper level. Like I love my Green Bay Packers because I grew up in the area, and that's pretty much all we had, and it it symbolizes the city. Is there like a particular city that you're? But so that's the point, that that's the point of these of. rules, though, is that you don't have a city. Nick has already burnt but, his bridge with the Broncos because that's where he was born and raised. He hates the Seahawks and everything that yeah. they stand for. But when and the he, New England Patriots, he's distanced himself from their fan base because they're a bunch of drunk assholes. When they win, though, you're happy because you know a place that you really love is happy and they're that's enjoying true. themselves. All right, all right, all right, all right. And it makes it really fun to go find a bar of that specific team in a in a place that you might not be originally from. I would say Montana, but they don't have a team. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is helping us in no way. That's not well, even a city. <laughs> okay, so I do want to clarify, Pete. I was only born in Denver. I was not raised there. I was raised all around Seattle. Okay, okay, all right. So it was fun when we played him in the Super Bowl. And then, anyway, um, can I just root for Todd Monken? Okay, all right. Where did Tom Mock and just sign? The Jets. <laughs> the Jets. 
No. Oh, you know, that breaks rule number three, because let me tell no. you, I think assholes are bad. Monken is the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my God, Nicholas. Oh, I thought you went to the Jets. All right. No. Whoops. All right. Might I recommend the Look, Jets? <laughs> can you? I think you guys got to just pick, like, three teams apiece, and then I'll choose one, because otherwise – you don't have you don't have more lovable players, like for instance, I love Luke Keekley, absolutely love him. I love the Panthers jerseys. They are not a hot team, and they're a fan base that I would totally be fine rooting with. Therefore, if I were looking for a new team, Carolina Panthers, easy in the bag. And they changed like their helmets ten years ago, and they added like blue stripes to it. They haven't Ooh. touched anything to their jerseys, and their black jerseys are sick. Love it. You don't have like a player who you're like, man, that would be a dope player. I, I like mean, that well, I feel like my list keeps being shortened. That's the whole point of this. This is why these rules are created so that you find the perfect team for you, one that you are are, are excited about and you're and you're willing to invest yourself into. And it sounds like the Browns are them, and I understand that, and I appreciate that notion, Nicholas. But you understand too that you will be seen as a fake fan because you will not have trudged through the proverbial shit that many Browns fans have had to do for the last decade and plus. That's, that's fair. I mean, I was early on the Monken bandwagon. Okay, so one that's standing out to me, and this one's going to give me a lot of trouble. Yes. Matt Breda. Okay, okay, okay. Now let's let's see how it does with the rule test. Number one, uh, we'll start from the bottom. We'll go up because number one, I already predict is going to be the toughest thing. Looking for good jerseys that don't change. Classic. Classic. The 49ers do not change. That is a classic, clean jersey. Uh, fan base that you're looking to join. Eh, okay. San Francisco's gotten a little putsy putsy in recent years. However, you're uh, you're drawn upon a fan base that is uh, has a strong history. You know? You know? There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a real crew there. And uh, they have a very familial sense. Um, player who's lovable. Well, the, the 49ers have a fair number, but if Matt Breida is your guy... Totally on board with that. There's also Jimmy or Kittle G or George Kittle. There's also yeah, Richard Sherman, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys on that team who are who are lovable. Now, number one can't be a hot team. If you had said this last season, the 49ers would have been a hot team. However, I think given a year off with uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo tearing his ACL, you don't know how Jimmy Jimmy G is going to come back from that. We talked about earlier in the podcast. I took Carson Wentz two years, so or will likely take him two years. You know, there might be some growing pains. Uh, I think you're getting down, you're getting into it at the ground level where it's kind of a reboot now, right? It was a lost season this year without Jimmy G. They're kind of resetting the system and they're going to see how it goes with Jimmy G. I think that is a fair team that you can get on the ground floor of. So I'm no longer a Seahawks fan. You have moved, like Richard (laughs) Sherman, to the 49ers. I think awesome. the hype train has definitely slowed down enough to where you can hop on, you know, kind of sneak into one of the back compartments unseen and pretend you were there the whole time. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. You guys, that was probably the most productive thing we've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> we went through a scientific process, and Nicholas, we have found you a team that you can root for with all of your heart and feel confident and feel happy uh, and get behind this team from the ground. Good job, you guys. Good job, all of us. And I like that we we stayed split AFC, NFC. Exactly. That's nice. That's nice. 
you know, we didn't we didn't drag you to the AFC, and you know, you you stayed with the the division that you that you truly see fit. I like it. It works. I I will get hit in public though if I if I wear the Brady or the Kittle jersey or the Sherman jersey. Oh man, well, I actually have Sherman an old jersey. Seahawks. I got yeah. an old Seahawks. Jersey. Don't do that. That's just okay. suicide. George Kittle, you could wear one under it. You could wear a George Kittle jersey, Seattle. Seattle. I don't feel like Seattle fans are that aggressively mean. Maybe I have a, a, a wrong notion of them. I feel like that's the kind of shit that happens uh, out here on the East Coast. A lot of the, the twelve, the oh, people who suddenly care when you make the playoff, they would they would get mad at me. That's part of being a 49ers fan, Nicholas, living in Seattle. You're just going to have to grin and bear it now. This okay. is your future. This is your destiny. Uh, thanks, guys. You're welcome. We're happy to help. And with that, uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and give us five stars, rate and review. Comment on Nicholas's new team and how excited you are for him. Everyone <laughs> send your well wishes to him. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Um, that's the that's the address to hit up to say congratulations on his new team. Um very successful podcast. We'll be back at you guys next week to break down the championship games and to preview the Super Bowl and talk about all other kind of fun things that are happening. Until then, peace!